My name's Derek, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we'll be opening God's Word together here in just a moment. Um, A couple of very important notes first. First of all, I checked the forecast, and I put on this short sleeve shirt. I didn't check, I checked the forecast, and I was not responding to today's forecast, but I noticed that Thursday is supposed to be a high of 72. So So I put on this shirt. It made total sense to me when I came up with that. Uh, who's anybody watching the Final Four this weekend? I know not everybody is sports fans. We've got some sports fans. I, I am a big sports fan. I'm watching, uh, enjoying the Final Four games, both of the uh, college women's basketball tournament and the men's basketball tournament. The Final Four games have happened. The championship games uh, are still coming. Uh, and I came across uh, this uh, last couple of days uh, something online that I thought was a, chal- a challenge to my thinking and perhaps we'll prod each of you as well just a bit here before we study God's Word together. And what I read online was this. Are my emotions more engaged watching 20-year-olds play a game than showing up at church today hearing that my sins are forgiven and my destiny is secure? So if you're not a Final Four fan or a sports fan, and you're not, that's not what you're engaged in this weekend, what is it that you're engaged in in your life that brings joy or that causes frustration, that gets a little rise out of you, that gets you thinking hard? What is it in your life that engages you in that way? And then it's these questions. His follow-up question was, if I can scream, or his comment was, if I can scream and yell tonight at this tiny, temporary, passing life, earthly life fun, what should my response this morning in a worship gathering be at big, eternal glory and life that is found in Jesus? Does that push you a little bit? Father in heaven, thank you for my church family who I love. And thank you, Father, for the voices I heard a few moments ago, lifting voices in song of worship of Jesus. God, thank you for the interactions and the smiles and the, and the family um, love that we have for one another before our worship gathering, after our worship gathering, and during the week. Uh, God, I thank you for opportunity to be with you every day, that you are with us, that we can come to you in prayer and in studying your word. And God, I pray that while we can enjoy the things that you've given us, hobbies and sports and relationships and and earthly life, God, thank you for those blessings. Thank you for those gifts. And yet, God, we do pray that our hearts would be challenged, that when we come and, and, and see each other and point each other to you and study your word together and lift our voices in song, that this would be what moves us, that you would be what our lives are all about. That our lives would be increasingly less about us and increasingly more about Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As we get going here this morning, the gospel, the gospel is good news for all people. And you, church family, are God's plan A. We see there in the scriptures on the screen in 1 Timothy that we know something about our God, that he is a God who desires all people to be saved 
and come to the knowledge of truth. And we've seen this as we've been studying through the book of Acts in our Bibles. We've seen this increasingly true. As we study God's uh, story in the Bible, God was at first at work in his people Israel, the Jewish people. Especially in the first portion of our Bible, we see God at work in his people, uh, the people of Israel. And now in Acts, we begin to see the good news of God spread outward. Yes, to the Jewish people, but to all people as well. And so we've begun to see that in the book of Acts. We think of our, of our key verse that we studied back in chapter 1. Acts verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Let's put that on the screen, please. But you, Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my, what? Witnesses. And where? In Jerusalem. The concentric circles kind of here going on. This is the center of, of, of God's work is Jerusalem. And now in the book of Acts, we're going to see this, this expanding of God's kingdom, the, the outward going of the good news of Jesus from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we have this gospel of good news of Jesus spreading. We saw this in last week's passage. Uh, in last week's passage in uh, Acts chapter 8, God used a man named Philip. And uh, the good news began to go out from Jerusalem when, when last week's passage reminded us that followers of Jesus persecuted, were scattered. So due to persecution, due to Due to, to pressures and people being against the message that was being spread about Jesus, the Christians were scattered out of Jerusalem and out and, and the gospel and helped spread the gospel outward. In last week's passage, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, uh, this area called Samaria, who was a, a people group that was disliked and, and disdained, and, and, and everyone, Jews and non-Jews, all looked down on them. And yet Philip went there. And last week's passage told us that he proclaimed to them the Christ. He proclaimed to them Jesus, the rescuer. Because what, he, what the, that message, that gospel message that we always remind ourselves about is the spectacular news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That, that we are not stuck where we are in our rebellion and sin. We're not stuck in separation from God. We're not because he sent his son and because at the cross... His death and resurrection brings us life. And the gospel demands a response, we've talked about. So as the gospel was moving out from Jerusalem, as people like the early apostles and people like Philip began telling others about Jesus, the gospel calls for a response. It's not, it's not just enough to know about Jesus, to know what Jesus has done, but to realize we need Jesus to recognize that we can't save ourselves, that we fall short of God's glory, and that Jesus, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection from the dead makes it possible for us to have life too. And so we respond to the gospel by putting our faith in Jesus, by trusting in him, not trying to save ourselves, not trying to earn or match up or, or be good enough or be religious enough but by putting our faith in Jesus. And so in the book of Acts, the gospel good news is spreading outward and outward, and people are responding. The news of Jesus is proclaimed by the apostles, by Philip, and people are responding. We've seen in the early chapters of Acts, thousands of people, thousands of people at a time 
come to faith in Jesus and become part of this early church, the, the expanding and growing early church. The gospel, church family, the gospel is good news for all people, and you, the church, the people of God, are God's plan A. We know it's for all people because God is intending the good news to spread. How do we know that you are God's plan A? Well, throughout the scriptures, places like Matthew 28, where Jesus, before he ascended back into heaven, gave the great commission and said, go, followers of Jesus, go and make other disciples. As you have become a follower of Jesus, now your calling is to help other people become a follower of Jesus. You, church family, the people of God, are God's plan A for the spectacular news of Jesus to reach the world. And we've seen it here in Acts 2, of course. That same verse we looked at earlier, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says that Jesus speaking said, you will receive power when you become a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and you will be who? Witnesses. Now, in, in Acts, that book Witnesses especially was referring to those who were eyewitness testimonies to the resurrection. Those early Jewish, those, sorry, those early Christian leaders, those, those apostles, had seen Jesus alive. They had seen him horribly murdered, and then they had seen him alive again. And so in, in the book of Acts, when we say, you will be my witnesses, yes, those early followers of Jesus, they were eyewitnesses that Jesus is alive. But then we see from the teachings of Scripture, too, that then all followers of Jesus are to be witnesses. We weren't there. We weren't eyewitnesses to his resurrection but as a follower of Jesus, we still, we still are ambassadors for Jesus, proclaimers, testifiers, witnesses to what God has done in our life through Jesus. So therefore, our series through the book of Acts is called... <laughs> so far, I've asked you three questions, and the required answer has every time been witnesses. So I need to expect a little more of you, apparently. I probably need to ask tougher questions. Thanks for being able to read the screen. The series that we are teaching through the book of Acts, we've called Witnesses. And so some of you have heard this over these weeks, and you've thought, cool, I am to be God's witness. Cool, God's plan A is for me to tell the world about Jesus. And then perhaps a few seconds later, some of you also went, whoa, I am God's plan A? You sure? Lord, help us to be witnesses, right? Church family, may God, by his grace and the spirit of God working within us, Empower us, enable us, equip us to live out our identity as his witnesses. Let's learn this morning from Philip's life. If you haven't opened your Bible yet, open your Bible to Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to start at verse 26 in a minute. Love you to have your Bibles with you or your device or your Bible app on your device open and find Acts chapter 8. In a moment, I'll start reading at verse 26. And we want to see. From Philip's life, from Philip's example, how we can be witnesses for Jesus as well. 
a little too long for you, Neil? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Maybe it was that I just like to, you know, get on a roll and talk about Jesus. Okay, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, that's an everyday occurrence, isn't it? That hasn't happened to you? Man, I wish it would happen to me, or at least in a way that was super obvious that I knew it was an angel of the Lord telling me what to do. But in the case of Philip, here's one of the ways that God leads Philip. And we want to ask God to, show, uh, ask God to use our scripture this morning to help us to be witnesses like Philip. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to a road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, by the way, into an area that people may not prefer to go. This is a desert place, verse 27. And so Philip rose and he went. The angel from the Lord said it. And Philip went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This eunuch was in charge of all her treasure. He had come, this is interesting, he's he's likely a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, but he had come to Jerusalem to worship, verse 27 says, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading from the Old Testament scriptures, the prophet Isaiah. Interesting non-Jewish person, not yet converted to be a believer in Jesus, and yet seemingly open, seemingly looking for how God might want to work in his life. So what's interesting about this passage as we study through the book of Acts in our Bible is up until now, we've had the gospel good news of Jesus proclaimed to large crowds, Right? And, and who have we seen respond to new life in Jesus? Large numbers of the crowds, right? And so in the, in the book of Acts, we've seen the gospel good news proclaimed, and people believe and follow. The gospel good news proclaimed to a big crowd, and thousands of people believe and find life in Jesus. And now, it's interesting, because now as we get here to, in Acts chapter 8, we have kind of the first example of how God works through one follower of Jesus in the life of one person. So in this case, one follower of Jesus, Philip, who God is going to use to bring the good news to this one person, an Ethiopian eunuch, who has not yet become a believer in Jesus. So let's think about Philip for a moment. Before we continue here in Acts 8, let me just think back to Acts 6. This will be on the screen. When we first met Philip in Acts chapter 6, The widows were needing to be better served, and so the apostles chose a new group of of people with servants' hearts to take care of this need. And so here on the screen is what it said. When we first met Philip, he was picked out from among these people because of his good reputation, that he was full of this Holy Spirit and of wisdom. So we've already heard about Philip, that he is full of the Spirit, that he's a follower of Jesus who is living by the Spirit. And then now back to chapter 8. Hopefully you still got your Bible open, following along with me this morning. Back in chapter 8, Philip has now followed God's lead, and he's come across this youth Ethiopian, and I'm at verse 29. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. 
And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. The first thing I'm going to suggest to us this morning as we study the life of Philip and how he was a witness and how his life as a witness to Jesus can help us to become, to live out our calling as witnesses. The first thing I'm going to suggest is that plan A witnesses keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Meaning that as a follower of Jesus, you are a witness And you are God's plan A to have Jesus proclaimed to the world. And one of the things that plan A witnesses do is we walk by the Spirit. We live our life under the direction of the Spirit. I I love the language elsewhere in the Bible in Ephesians where it says, Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. it's, It's be under the influence of the Spirit. It's have your life affected by and led by the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Galatians 5.25 is on the screen that if we live by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Increasingly, as we follow Jesus, we want his grace in our lives to increasingly align us with the life of Jesus. We want him to align our steps with the steps of the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Um, I think it was a few months back. I was here in my office, and perhaps you can relate to this circumstance. Perhaps as I tell this, you'll think of a situation that maybe was similar for you. I was here in my office, and it was coming up to lunchtime. And in the day or two leading up to that particular day, we had had a man who was hanging out on our campus um, who was probably in significant need and was using uh, the breezeway over here for shelter. And we had been aware of his presence, and I had had one interaction, and uh, making ourselves available to help, etc. But as I went to lunch this particular day, and I knew that he had been around for the past day or two, as I walked out to my truck, I wondered if he was still around. I knew where he would be if he was, and I kept walking to my truck. And I got in my truck, and I headed home for lunch. Because my day had a plan. Because my day has rhythms. Because I have various responsibilities. And so I'm driving 47 miles an hour. I almost said 45. I'm driving 48 miles an hour down Ellendale toward town. I just went up a degree. Maybe I should, I mean, what is that called? A mile per hour. You get the idea. I'm headed into town. And something's getting me. Where should I turn around? That driveway is not convenient. Oh, already passed for a villa. Never mind, Lord. I'll just keep going home for lunch. But poke. Have you had this happen? If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Christ speaking to your heart and mind. And if you're anything like me, Occasionally, your tendency is to keep driving. So finally, I came to a point in my maturity with Christ where I actually turned around and came back to campus. And it's not coincidence, it's God timing that the Holy Spirit caught my attention, turned me around, and when I got back to campus, this man was loading up with a buddy into a truck to be helped to go elsewhere. And so 
it was a perfect opportunity in that movement and in, in being more visible for me to have an interaction and to, to bring hopefully just a welcome and, and, and a question of how can we help and a seeing how things were going, etc. Plan A witnesses keep in step with the Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives within you and is guiding you, just like Philip, and we have the opportunity to listen to his voice and obey and find ourselves in situations that God wants us in and that God can help us in. So are you learning to walk by the Holy Spirit, church family? Are you learning to live by the Spirit? To hear his voice in your life and then to obey? Do we put ourselves in hallways where the Holy Spirit is active? Do we put ourselves in God's word? Do we put ourselves in prayer? Do we put ourselves in the fellowship of other believers? Do we put ourselves in places where we can serve and use our spiritual gifts? Because all of those places are places where the Holy Spirit is active and gives us an opportunity to increasingly know what it means to sense the work of the Spirit in our life, to hear his voice so that we can obey. Do we put ourselves in places where the Holy Spirit is active so that we can be filled with the Spirit and used by God for his purposes and for his glory, not my schedule? So let's keep going in the passage. Verse 30. So Philip, I love this part. What did he do? Ran. The, spirit, the, the word from the Lord comes, go find this guy. He, he goes, he finds the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, uh, the previous verse, verse 29 says, the spirit says to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran. Man, I wish that was how I responded to God more often. So Philip ran to him. He was ready to be used by God. He was eager to obey God's guidance in his life. He was eager to be ready to see what God wanted to do in the situation. And when he gets over there, he hears the eunuch reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip says to him, do you understand what you are reading? Verse 31, the eunuch said, how can I unless someone helps me? And so... The eunuch invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. Now this, now, this is the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading, and it was from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? In other words, the eunuch is reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he comes to this passage, and now he turns to Philip, who's offered to help, and, and he says to Philip, hey, who's this guy talking about? Who is Isaiah writing about? Is he writing about himself? Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture right there in Isaiah, Philip began to tell the good news about who? About Jesus. The eunuch is reading the scriptures that are foretelling about the coming Messiah, the promised rescuer. And, and, and he's reading about this promised rescuer. And then he says to Philip, 
hey, who is this talking about? And Philip goes, I ran over here to tell you. I ran over here. I was so excited to tell you who this is pointing to. Isaiah 53, church family, if you're not familiar, and we don't have time to go there in depth this morning, but Isaiah 53 is one of the most powerful Christ-centered passages in the scriptures, and it's, and it's long before Jesus lived on the earth. So if you want to write yourself a little note, Isaiah, jot that down, Isaiah 53, and when you have time with the Lord later today or tomorrow, go read Isaiah 53, because I'm just going to read a couple verses now, but Isaiah 53 is a passage about the promised rescuer, the people that, the, that God's people were long awaiting that would come and rescue. And Isaiah 53 paints this promised rescuer as a suffering servant, which isn't exactly what people had first thought would happen in terms of what this rescuer would be like. But Isaiah 53 paints the picture of a suffering servant. The, the couple of verses there that, he, that are quoted in, in Acts 8, if we backed up just a couple more verses, here's, I just listen, I'm not going to put this on the screen, so you can just listen. Here's Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Years and years and years before the life of Jesus on earth, the prophet Isaiah foretelling the promised rescuer who would be a suffering servant. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. That's the passage that the eunuch was reading. And the spirit said, hey, Philip, go over there and talk to this guy. And so Philip ran over, and the eunuch said, who's this about? And Philip said, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Plan A witnesses weave threads of the gospel into everyday life, into conversations. So first I suggested that plan A witnesses keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And now I'm saying that as we look at the life of Philip and how God used Philip as a witness, now I'm suggesting we see that plan A witnesses, you and I as followers of Jesus called to be witnesses, to testify to the world about what Jesus has done for us, need to learn and grow in, and by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit within us, we need to be able to weave the threads of the gospel into conversation. What do I mean by this? I mean, and then, of course, you see on the screen there, too, from Psalm 119, the word, God's word, the Bible, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So how do we, in our conversation, in our relationships with those who don't yet know Jesus, how do we weave in the word of God to light a person's path, to find their way to life in Jesus? First thing I think we need to know, if this is an area you know you want to grow in by God's grace, is that the Bible that you hold in your lap from front to back is one unified story that all points to Jesus. That's why I love that the scripture said that, that Philip, what did it say? Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he pointed to Jesus. Because this is a great passage that, this, there's no better passage that he could have been reading that helps him point to Jesus. But church family, 
you, you can look to any scripture in any part of your Bible. And as you know the story of God, you will see how it points to Jesus. The Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus. As we learn the whole story, and again, we don't have time for this, but if I had to do it succinctly, if, I was gonna, if I'm becoming familiar with the whole story, front to back, Genesis to Revelation in your Bible, the whole story would be this. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, that God is the creator of all things and he's made us to be in a relationship with him. Fall, that the earliest humans rebelled against God and went their own way, and as a result of their sin, now all of us are sinners by choice and by our nature. Creation, to be in God, creator of all, created us to be in relationship with him. Fall, our sin and our rebellion against God separates from us from him, takes us out of his best for us. Redemption. Is God not leaving us there? but sending his son to live the life that we cannot live, to die the death that we deserve, to be raised again to new life so that we can be redeemed, bought back, brought out of sin and death and given salvation and new life. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Jesus saves and now Jesus transforms and makes things new. And Jesus is returning someday, church family, and everything will be restored and set back the way God intended. Amen? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. As we become familiar with the whole story of the Bible, the one unified story of the Bible that points to Jesus, then we're going to be able to weave gospel threads into our conversations. As I'm familiar with the whole story, I'm going to be able to weave parts of the story into everyday life. I don't always have to tell the whole story. When you interact with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, don't feel the pressure to tell your whole story. Don't, tell the, don't feel the pressure necessarily to tell this whole story. Just think about how your conversation with that person is going, what they think about the world, where are they struggling, where are they putting their hope, where do they look to for authority, and then based on your interaction with them, insert a, a gospel thread, a piece of the story. And continue your relationship over long haul with them, weaving threads of the gospel as God gives you opportunity and as the Holy Spirit equips you to speak to them. You can. You can. I was sitting with someone dear to me some time back, and we were in the midst of a difficult life circumstance, so things were already heavy already heavy-hearted between, for me and this person. And at that time, we were watching the news. And you know what good news the news is. Sarcasm. We were watching the news, and the news involved death, evil, murder, death, more evil, and more people hurting each other, etc., etc. Got my idea? And, my, and this person that is dear to me said, man, I don't get how people can be so evil. I don't need to tell the whole story. But that was a God opening for a thread of the gospel, which by God's grace and the Holy Spirit giving me the words, I was able to say, well, you know what? I think we're all capable. That we're all 
in rebellion against God. That left to ourselves, I think we all go our own way. And that's why Jesus needed to come. And that was all that conversation had for that moment. But it was a thread of the gospel to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. And I'll trust that the word of God is living and active and doesn't come back void. Plan A witnesses weave threads of the gospel. And church family, you can do it because the spirit lives within you and it equips you and empowers you to do it. Plan A witnesses weave threads of the gospel because if we're not ashamed of the gospel, we see on the, on the scripture on the screen, we're reminded that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And so we want to be pr- people familiar with the word, familiar with the gospel good news, f- familiar with the story from front to back that points to Jesus so that we can insert it into the lives of others and let God work in it. All right. So, plan A witnesses, keep in step with the Spirit, and plan A witnesses weave threads of the gospel. But here's what I'm going to say. If, if you are walking by the Spirit, if you know the gospel good news, if I am learning to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and I know the story of the Bible, the gospel good news, but if I don't care about people, then there's, there's nowhere for that to go. I can be learning to walk in step with live by the Spirit. I can be learning increasingly the story of the Bible and becoming familiar with the gospel in hopes of articulating it. But if my life does not intersect with people, or if when my life does intersect with people who are far from Christ, I don't care, then where's that going to go? But in, this, in, this, in Acts 8, Philip cared. Philip didn't stay in his community full of people like him. Philip heard the voice of God, and he went where God told him to. And let's think about for a minute where that took him to. When the angel spoke, and when the Holy Spirit prompted, and when Philip obeyed and met this eunuch, what were the relationship? What are the dynamics of that relationship? Well, first of all, there's racial differences. There's cultural differences. Philip had, had literally gone to a place and to interact with a person that he would normally not have interacted with. Because God said so. And then let me tell you one more thing about this eunuch. The Old Testament says this in Deuteronomy 23, that eunuchs shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. What did we learn earlier about this eunuch? That he had just come from Jerusalem. He had just gone to the place, the temple where God, his presence was known to be. And he had come from there and he's reading the prophet Isaiah and he hasn't yet come to faith in Jesus, but he seems open to God's work in his life. But he knows that the Old Testament scriptures say that eunuchs may not enter the assembly of God. And Philip comes to him. So even if this eunuch was seeking to know God, he he would feel excluded. But church family, let's be plan A witnesses like Philip. Like Philip, plan A witnesses love others. I think we can put that on the screen. 
Plan A witnesses love others. And of course, we think of Mark chapter 12, verse 31, where Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible explains that neighbor isn't just those that we're comfortable with, those that are like us, those that we feel like talking to. When the Bible talks about neighbors, the, the Bible is including those who are very different than us and those who we would normally not interact with. But plan A witnesses love others. Interestingly, uh, in, what was the eunuch reading when Philip got to him? Isaiah. Isaiah 53. I put, uh, this is really, okay. I put this shirt on in hopes of a better day, right? I put this shirt on short sleeve today on a 52 degree day because I see there's a 72 degree day coming. The eunuch was reading in God's word and when he was reading out loud, he was in Isaiah 53. When Philip got to him, he was in Isaiah 53. And if he had kept reading a couple more chapters, he would have ended up in Isaiah 56. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I wonder if the eunuch was looking forward to a better day. Eunuchs had been excluded. But look what Isaiah 56 goes on to say. And again, it's not on the screen, so just listen. If he had kept reading a few more verses, here's where the eunuch would get to. Isaiah 56, God speaking. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument, and I will give to them a name better than sons and daughters. A eunuch would not be able to have kids, and God is saying, I will give something better than sons and daughters. God goes on to say, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather, God, here's God saying, I will gather others. I will gather yet others besides those are already gathered. We see there in Isaiah, God's heart. We see in Philip's running response, his enthusiastic response. We see his heart to live out God's heart, to care about other people, to show them love even though they're vastly different than him. What about us? What about you and I? Take a minute, take a minute here and just and think this over. Reflect for a minute on your social circles, on your spheres of influence, on the people you come across daily or weekly. Think about who you interact with on a regular basis. Is it, do I interact just, just with people that are just like me? That look like me, believe like me, love this March Madness like me? Like-minded people, people with the same beliefs, people that are easy to interact with, people that are familiar to us and it's comfortable and it's convenient? Or do our spheres of influence include those who are different and unfamiliar and harder to love? And do our interactions with people include those who need Jesus? Because we already looked on the screen earlier 
in 1 Timothy, and we're reminded that we have a God who desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And we've talked about this fact today that the Bible, from front to back, from Genesis to Revelation, is one unified story that points to who? Jesus. And so we've, we've learned that God's story is a story of, of his true story is, is to redeem and rescue a people for himself. God's plan A to do that, God's plan A for the world to know the good news of Jesus is you, the church, the people of God, God, the creator of the universe. When you become a follower of Jesus, puts his spirit within you and empowers you and equips to live as his witnesses. God's gospel good news is for all people and his plan A is you. Philip was in step with the Spirit, familiar with the gospel, and he loved people. Can we put that on the screen, please? Philip was a witness who gives us an idea of what we can be as plan A witnesses as we keep in step with the Spirit, as we weave threads of the gospel, and as we love people. Verse 36 in our passage, chapter 8, verse 36. And as the, so Philip was a witness. He was in step with the Spirit, familiar with the gospel. He was loving people. And then look at the God results of this conversation. Not something that Philip manufactures, but something that God had ordained to happen and that he orchestrated, bringing Philip into the eunuch's life, proclaiming the gospel good news. And look at the God results in verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See? Here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and the eunuch was baptized by Philip. Salvation comes by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. The eunuch had gone from someone who was open and wondering about God to having heard that the promised rescuer in Isaiah was indeed Jesus and that Jesus had come and lived and died and rose again and the eunuch had put his faith and trust in Jesus. The eunuch had gone from someone open to someone who had put his faith and trust in Jesus and had responded to the gospel good news. And so then he sees water and he goes, man, why not be baptized? I believe in Jesus, so let me proclaim it publicly. Church family, I mean, just the reminder, our salvation, being changed from the inside out, being brought out of darkness into the light, out of death into new life, comes because of Jesus. All you need for those things to happen for salvation is to put your trust in Jesus alone. And then it's baptism, not that it's a, there's nothing magic about the water, there's nothing that, that causes our salvation in our baptism, but our baptism is an outward proclamation of what's happened in here. It's, I want the world to know that I'm with Jesus. And so we go under the water and we, we identify with the death of Jesus, and we are raised up out of the water as we identify to being raised to new life with Jesus. And we do that in our front of our gathered church family to proclaim, I'm with Jesus, this is my church family, and, 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 and this is who I'm going to live for. So if you haven't heard yet, one of the most fun things about next Sunday, Palm Sunday, is that we're going to celebrate baptisms in our church family. 
that proclamation of being with Jesus. And um, there's still time, if, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have not, and if you have not yet obeyed Jesus' command to be baptized, there's still time. We would love to hear from you. We would love to talk that through a bit with you and plan to celebrate that spiritual milestone with you next Sunday. There's still time, but not much. So if you would love to celebrate that milestone and, and celebrate your baptism with your church family next Sunday, then let me or someone else on staff or call the church office, let us know today or by tomorrow at the latest so that we can uh, plan for that excitement together, okay? And then let's finish the, let's just read the rest of the passage. Verse 39. And when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. Man, I wish we could figure that out. That sounds super fun. He followed God's, Philip followed God's lead in his life. He ran over willing to be used by God. He asked what he was reading. He talked about the scriptures. He pointed the way to Jesus. And then, and then Philip said, yes, I'm a follower of, I mean, the eunuch said, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Baptize me. And then God said, I got more stuff for you to do. Verse 39, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch went on his way doing what? Rejoicing. For life that he had found in Jesus. Verse 40, but Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept doing what gospel witnesses do. He kept preaching the good news of Jesus to all the towns he came to. Because the gospel church family is for all people. And you are God's plan A. Father in heaven, thank you for an opportunity to be together, to celebrate the good news. God, we praise you, Heavenly Father, that you are a good and loving God. We praise you that you are a God who, despite our sin and rebellion, despite our going our own way, we, are, we, we just rejoice and we give you praise. And you alone, Father, are worthy of our worship because you are a good news God who has brought to us new, the uh, possibility of new life through Jesus. And as we become followers of Jesus, you have made us to be your good news people. And so, God, I pray that we would, in a moment, lift our voices with enthusiasm that comes from, not from cheering for March Madness basketball games, not from that distraction and frustration, but instead, God, that we, would, that we would wrestle with and recognize and rejoice in what you have done for us. I pray that when we sing in a moment, that would come from our heart, that when we come to you in prayers, it would be out of thankfulness. And we thank you for this opportunity to study your word and be reminded that your, that your love is for all people that your heart is for all to be saved. Father, would you help us to live as witnesses? Teach us to keep in step with the Spirit. Draw us into your word daily. I pray that we would draw near to you in your word each day, knowing that we can hear from you there. God, help us to keep in step with the Spirit. Help us to soak in your word so that we can learn to weave threads of the gospel. And then, God, would you give us your eyes for the people we interact with? Because none of this matters if we don't care about the people around us. 
we will, we will fall short as witnesses if we don't learn to see people the way you do, if we don't see people that are different than us, that are unfamiliar to us, as people made in your image, as people, as, help us to see them as people that are made in your image, people that you love and that you wanna love through us. Change us so that we can be your plan A witnesses. We love you, God. We want to live for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.